Well, let's turn our attention now to Scripture. Uh, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19 is our preaching passage for this morning. Uh, as we think about Palm Sunday, the beginning of, in Jesus' time, what was Passover week, and as Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem, this is the scene that is before us. And so John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found the young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that this sign had been done. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is God's word. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Josh, for reading uh, our Palm Sunday reading this morning. And if you have a Bible in front of you, if you just go ahead and keep it open as we uh, turn now to look at uh, God's Word uh, together. I've called this message, Hope in Times of Crisis. Obviously, we're aware that uh, the world in which we live right now is going through a significant crisis, uh, such as we have never experienced in our own lifetimes. And with that in mind, uh, there are different messages being given these days to us in all sorts of different venues, uh, different media. And uh, in particular, then as people who believe uh, the Bible, uh, we are looking for what the Bible has to say in this moment of global crisis. And as we enter into uh, Passion Week, beginning, of course, this Palm Sunday and then Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, the story of, uh, of Easter, the story of Passion Week, and this Palm Sunday uh, provides us with hope in times of crisis. And uh, as we then come to this Palm Sunday, And here I am looking at you through a camera, and this is an unexpected way of us celebrating Passion Week. We think of all the pageantry that usually goes on with uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and there you are at home, and it's a very different kind of Palm Sunday from one uh, that you are familiar with. But the unexpected elements of this Palm Sunday actually connect well to the unexpected message of Palm Sunday as it's really intended to be. And there's hope that Palm Sunday offers. Hope in times of crisis. You know, uh, when we are looking at the different messages that the world is giving these days, 
broadly speaking, they fall into two categories right now. Uh, one category is uh, almost a dystopian kind of message. Uh, this is uh, a world-changing event. Uh, we're living in a, a, almost like a science fiction movie where there's cataclysm and, and dystopia and it's doom and gloom. There's that kind of message we hear quite frequently these days. And then there are other people who say, no, it's really it's more like a utopian message. It's like, this is going to be brief. This isn't going to last long. We're going to bounce right back. What does the Christian gospel have to say about these times of crisis, this time of crisis? You see, the original Palm Sunday, as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, it's in the context of a time of crisis. The city of Jerusalem was an occupied city. This great city, God's city, was occupied by the Romans. And uh, they had been going through ongoing times of crisis. And Jesus, as the king, rides in, not with an um, unrealistic utopian message, and not with a uh, dystopian doom and gloom message. There are no answers. There's nothing we have to say. All we can do is mourn. No, instead, he offers hope. Hope. In times of crisis, I want to show you uh, this morning how you can have that hope even in the midst of all that's going on in our world today. And we have then, here's going to be the structure of the message we have then an unexpected king, and then we have uh, an unexpected people who receive uh, that king. The unexpected kingship of Jesus. And then uh, the unexpected people who receive that kingship. Unexpected king and unexpected people who receive that kingship. And there's hope in times of crisis. And I'm offering it to you this morning as we go through uh, this sermon. So first of all, the unexpected king. And of course, he's unexpected because uh, he rides in on a donkey, verse 14. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Well, how unexpected. Jesus is a king, and yet he's not riding into Jerusalem anyway uh, that would have been imagined, uh, conceived, expected at that time. There's uh, the uh, Jerusalem city. They're in this crisis. They're they're under occupation. Uh, They are facing all sorts of trauma that go with that. And they're looking for a king. And the kind of king they're hoping for is one who will ride in on a great war horse with a massive army behind him and take over the city, kick out the Romans, and solve the problem immediately. That's what they're hoping for. That's what they're expecting. Yet the king, King Jesus, when he comes, he does not come like that at all. He comes, verse 14, on a young donkey. And donkeys are not glamorous animals. <laughs> donkeys are not impressive animals. Donkeys are kind of ridiculous animals. They're not the kind of thing a king would wear, would, 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 would ride on. They're not the kind of thing that a king would have. And uh, there's Jesus, nonetheless, on a donkey. And not only on a donkey, 
on a young donkey, on an untrained donkey, on a donkey who perhaps doesn't ride down the street in an ordered way. He's, he's the donkey king coming into Jerusalem in this most unexpected kingship. And as we talk here about hope in times of crisis, the kind of hope that I have to offer you this morning may be a little unexpected. He's saying, what I want is the kind of hope that is going to provide an immediate answer to this crisis. What what I'm looking for is is an immediate medical solution. What what I'm looking for is is the kind of wisdom that our presidents and leaders uh, are, are striving to find. That's the kind of hope I want. And yet here comes Jesus. He's riding into Jerusalem, into this city of crisis, in the midst of this time of crisis. He's riding on a donkey, a young donkey. It's so unexpected, this unexpected kingship of Jesus. And I wonder what it is that we have as our hero figures, our salvation hope, our kings. I wonder what it is that we have been relying upon. You know, when we go through this time of crisis, it strips bare all our idols, all our kings, all our salvation figures. We look at the stock market, it goes up and down. We look at our pension fund, it goes up and down. We look at the the great scientific consensus of our world that's struggling to find a solution to this crisis. We look at all these kings and rulers and authorities that for many, many decades our secular society has been saying they are our salvation. And God, in his massive power, has stripped bare all those fake kings that we might put our trust in the real king, the king who rides in on a donkey. I said, why is he he coming this way? Because he's a humble king. He's not out to dominate you. He's not out to control you. He's not a dictator. He's a savior. He's a humble king. And his way of salvation In the story of Passion Week, rides into Jerusalem, goes to Good Friday and the suffering of the cross, and then the resurrection Easter Sunday. And he symbolizes all that as he rides in, not on a great impressive war horse, not in a Rolls Royce, not in an inc- incredibly expensive and impressive vehicle, not with a great fleet of cars behind him, on a donkey, saying, will you accept me as your king? For there is hope for you, if you will, in this time of crisis. So will you accept Jesus as your king this, this morning? This King Jesus who comes to save you, He's humble. He's riding in on a donkey. He can be your king this Passion Week. Not a dystopian message. It's all doom and gloom. 
Not a utopian message. Oh, there's no time of crisis. Let's forget it. It's not real. It's all fake. No, 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 no. Hope. Hope in times of crisis. The story of Passion Week that goes through the cross to the empty tomb. It begins this Palm Sunday as we look at Jesus riding in on a donkey, a young donkey. He's an unexpected king. But it is in receiving that unexpected kingship of Jesus that we find a hope. So we have the unexpected king, and then we have the unexpected people who receive that kingship of Jesus. And the way it's described here is an inversion, an upside-down set of priorities that invert the expectations. There are three groups of people here in this passage. There are the crowds, the large crowd, verse 12, and then the crowds are described And then there are the disciples, uh, verse 16. Uh, His disciples didn't understand these things at first. And then we have uh, the Pharisees, verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. These three groups of people. Of course, the question that, that John is seeking us to answer is, who's going to receive this unexpected king? Is it going to be the crowd? Is it going to be the disciples? Is it going to be the Pharisees? And it's an inversion, an upside down, a contrary statement to our normally perceived expectations of who will receive the kingship of Jesus. The very last people that they would have expected to receive the kingship of Jesus are those who did, the crowds. The crowds are fulsome in their praise. Verse 13, they took branches of palm trees. The palm was uh, the constant statement and symbol in ancient times of victory. Palms, it's victory. They're, They're praising Jesus. They're giving him the gold medal. He's won the games. He's the victor. They're waving palms. They're crowning him king. They're fulsome, then praise. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king of Israel, they're quoting from the Old Testament and praising him. Hosanna, or save us. He's the one who has hope. He's the one for where they can find hope, this hope that they need in the times of crisis. He's going to be their savior. Hosanna, blessed. They're praising him. We bless you. We're affirming that you truly are the blessed one. The crowds understand They get it. They've seen how Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Verse 17, the crown that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The crowd, they get it. This untutored crowd, this uneducated crowd, this irreligious crowd, the crowd of non-experts, the crowd who are outside the church, the crowd you would not expect to crown Jesus King. It's they who do. You might be listening from somewhere around the world right now. You may not count yourself very religious. And here you are, you're listening to this live stream because you're looking for a message, a story, 
a hope. And let me encourage you. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be someone who grew up in the church. You don't have to be the kind of person that in your own mind is the expected person to respond to a message from the Bible. Oh no, it's the crowd who get it. And that is God's constant way. He chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, the things that are not to to declare that God is glorious, that he might be glorified before all flesh, before all people, that he alone is God. It's the crowd who understands, the crowd who receives, the crowd who crowns Jesus King. And it could be you this morning. You can find that hope. So there's the crowd. And then there are the disciples Uh, Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Here are the disciples who have spent their days with Jesus, who have followed him, who have heard his teaching. Surely they would be the ones who would be the forefront of praising Jesus during this, this time of acclamation of the kingship of Jesus. And yet actually it's the disciples who are slow to understand. While it's the crowd who get it straight away. And perhaps you're someone who did grow up in the church. You're someone who has heard a lot about God. Maybe you're a member of the church. And yet this crisis is shaking your world and the things you do not understand. You do not grasp it. And what you need to hear is the whole story. Not just Palm Sunday, but Good Friday. And not just Good Friday, but Easter Sunday. To grasp the kingship of Jesus. That Jesus' kingship, not a utopian Kingship, not a dystopian kingship where everything's doom and gloom, but a kingship that goes through the suffering of Good Friday to the resurrection of Easter Sunday, an eternal kingship that you can embrace this morning by the power of Christ. Perhaps you know all the religious answers. Maybe you know the creed by heart. Maybe you know the Lord's Prayer. You can recite it, but do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you have that hope within you of the spirit within you? Let this time of crisis raise up those spiritual questions that you might turn back to God and know him as your God and your savior even this morning. So you can have hope in times of crisis. So you know what the answer is to a deathbed. You know what the answer is to times of sickness and trauma and pain. Because you know not just Palm Sunday, but Good Friday. We worship a God who suffered in Christ. He himself bore our sins in his body on the trim that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We worship a suffering God. And not just a suffering God. We worship a God who raised Christ from the dead. And so there is hope. In this time of crisis, we don't live in a dystopian story. We don't live in a utopian story where, as I've heard it said, people sometimes find in Wheaton it's difficult to believe in heaven because they feel like they're living in heaven already. Well, that's all gone. Now we know that's not the case. 
We know we're not living in heaven, but there is a heaven to come. And will you put your faith there? Will you put your resources there? Will you put your time there? Will you invest your whole life there? But God is calling out to you this morning, you religious people, you people who grew up in the church, to turn your hearts back to him, to embrace the hope that he has for you in this time of crisis. So there are the crowds, then the disciples, and then there are the Pharisees. Verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The Pharisees, the people that you would have expected of all the people who would have received God's king, the religious people, the elite people, the experts, the powerful people, the prestigious people, the rulers, the authorities, the religious, and yet they rejected Jesus as their king. Don't be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees today, who, who are the Pharisees today? They could be all different kinds of groups. Certainly it's possible to be a religious Pharisee, to be proud in your own a performance and be jealous of the kingship of Jesus. But it's also possible to be a secular Pharisee, to be proud in your own secular morality. Well, this world, once again, is being shaken. And all the secular ideology of our age has been shaken. The foundations of secular worldview are being shaken. And here we have a time of crisis. And our Christ is riding into that time of crisis on a donkey. And the crowds are proclaiming him. And the disciples are trying to figure it out as they go through Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And you Pharisees. Secular or religious, will you not reject him? Will you turn to him to find hope in times of crisis? It's a message of hope in this time of crisis. You know, the interesting thing about this story of Palm Sunday, of course, is that the crowds themselves find it difficult to embrace Jesus when it comes to Good Friday. Maybe not the very same people who are in these crowds proclaiming Jesus. Maybe it was a different group of people. But certainly the city that had embraced Jesus and received Jesus, when it came to the time of suffering, when it came to the cross, many of them rejected Jesus. Samuel Crossman, who wrote a famous hymn back in the 17th century, put it like this. Sometimes they strew his way, his sweet praises sing, resounding all the day, hosannas to their king. Then crucify is all their breath, and for his death they thirst and cry. God may call us to go through a profound time of suffering. He may call you to go through a profound time of suffering. How can you be faithful in that moment? And the answer is the suffering of the Christ at the cross. That he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. We worship a God who entered into our suffering that he might redeem us 
and live with him for all eternity. And that is where the power is. That is where the hope is. You know, I've been um, researching back as much as I can over the last couple of weeks through other times in the history of the church where there have been seasons of similar crisis. Sometimes people have said to me, this is an unprecedented time. Well, the answer, it's not really unprecedented. The church and the world has been through times of global pandemic before. It's been through times of plague before. In 1918, 1919, the great flu pandemic that hit the world. Many churches and Sunday schools closed for month after month after month because of that time of pandemic then. But it's hard, actually, when you research to find out. Of course, I can't get into libraries. I have to just research online these days. But it's hard to find out exactly what the church was saying during that flu pandemic. Gone back earlier still to the 17th century in Europe. The 17th century was sometimes called the the century of plague. There was plague after plague after plague, culminating at least in England with the Great Plague of 1665. But there are many plagues before that in London and around Europe as well. And we do have the Puritans preaching sermons and writing about those times of plague. Uh, Richard Baxter wrote about it and um, Jeremiah Burroughs also wrote about it in, in, in his rare jewel of Christian contentment. And they're describing this time of plague, this time of crisis. And Richard Baxter, writing from 1670, looking back into the Great Plague of London, describes how it was the poor who were particularly affected. Of course, the same is true today. The poor, it's, if you're shut up, you're isolated. But if you're isolated in a big house or a large garden, it's a lot easier than if you're isolated in a small apartment with nowhere to go. And if you have to stay home and you have the resources and the money to stay home, it's a lot easier than if you have to go to work and you have no choice. And the poor were particularly affected. He, he looked back. He also noticed this. There was no hunger for repentance. You know, biblically, when a time of plague comes, when a time of pandemic comes, we God's people should especially cry out to God and turn our hearts back to him. And Richard Baxter looked back and noticed there was very little of that time. May that not be true of us. May we turn our hearts back to God during this time. Jeremiah Burroughs also wrote about the, uh, the uh, plague in London. I'm going to read to you one thing that he wrote. And uh, he was writing probably not about the 1665 plague, but about a plague early in London. And he writes, he writes this. As for these things in the world, I see they are but momentary. They are not everlasting. And then he goes on. I see a family in which all was well only a week ago. And now everything is down. The plague has swept away a great many of them. And the rest are left in sadness and mourning. This is from a sermon preached during times of plague. He goes on. We see 
There is no resting in the things of this world. Yet, 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 yet the Lord has made with me an everlasting covenant. Not a a dystopian message, not a utopian message, a message of hope that goes from Palm Sunday through Good Friday to Easter Sunday. Yet the Lord has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things. I find disorder in my heart. And that's the truth, isn't it? Many of us wrestle with feelings of disorder, of confusion, of sadness. This is great Jeremiah Burroughs, great Christian leader, saying, I find disorder in my heart, in my family. But the everlasting covenant is ordered in all things. Yes, and it is sure. There's hope in times of crisis. See, there's Jesus. He's riding into Jerusalem, this city of crisis, on a donkey, a young donkey. But of course, it's an unexpected king and an unexpected kingship and an unexpected people who receive that kingship. And he's going to go to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And there's suffering that's going to come before the resurrection. And yet on this Palm Sunday, he proclaims hope. Because this very praise will be the praise that he receives in all eternity. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. After this I looked... And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne And to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And this Palm Sunday is a message of hope that goes through Good Friday. To Easter Sunday, that one day, salvation that belongs to our God, one day, those palm branches that were waved in token of victory that Palm Sunday, one day, there'll be a great gathering of all God's people from every nation, tribe, and language, from every part of the world that has experienced this pandemic those who are faithful through this time of crisis, holding on to hope, one day we'll we'll be with him in all glory, praising him and beholding our God. And that hope will be finally realized. Hope in the midst of this time of crisis. Our Lord God, we do pray. Uh, For each of us this morning, 
We pray, Lord, that you would give us this, this hope in the midst of this time of crisis. We pray, Lord, that um, you would have mercy, particularly on the uh, medical professionals, the nurses, those who are carrying uh, care packages and food and mail and those who are clean, those who have to work in difficult and dangerous situations. And Lord, we come before you today praying that you would turn our hearts back to you, confessing our sins before you. We pray uh, this morning, Lord, that you would give us hope, that you open our eyes to see that your everlasting covenant is sure and guaranteed. We pray, Lord, this morning we would be like the crowds who worship you and proclaim you as king and not like the Pharisees who reject you. We pray, Lord, that like those disciples, the things we don't yet understand about what you're saying and doing, and I'm sure that would be all of us who don't yet understand all that you're saying and doing at this time, we would look forward from Palm Sunday through Good Friday to Easter Sunday to realize from that point of view, looking back, that we worship a God with nails in his hands. We worship a God with the empty tomb And that one day we'll join with that festal throng of people from every tribe and national language bowing before you in worship and adoration. Lord, we pray for those who are sick. We pray particularly for those who have ventilators, who are in sick beds in New York and Chicago and other parts of the world. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, heal. Oh, Lord, protect. We pray for our leaders, Lord, that you provide wisdom as they wrestle with responding to issues and situations that, that, that in living memory, no leaders had to face. We pray for our church. Would we be a church that rises at this time so that in decades to come, those who come afterwards will look back And we'll tell the story of how Cottage Church was faithful and filled with your spirit and filled with hope in this time of crisis. Oh, Lord, grant us faithfulness, we pray. Fill us with hope. We pray for our leaders, elders, deacons, and the staff. Use them. We pray, Lord, for those who don't yet know you, who are coming to realize they've been relying upon money or possessions or mere religion, would you breathe your spirit now through this congregation, here gathered through virtual means, through the internet, wherever they are all around the world, would you breathe your spirit now through them to rise up true faith, true hope, true love, so that this Passion Week, this Passion Week where Historians will be telling the amazing narrative of a church that met without physically meeting. This Passion Week will be a week of great victory for you, Jesus. That your praise, the palm branches that we in our hearts wave this morning. That you will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
and the salvation and hope that can only come from your name would be very present and real to us this morning. So lift up our hearts to hope, we pray, even amidst this time of crisis. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.